listening to Out of Line. I'm your host, Kat Poland. I suppose I should come up with some kind of consistent opening for this podcast, but maybe I'll just keep you guessing every time. Today's guests are Heidi and Victoria, who together make up the team called Aspies Etc. They recently launched their own podcast, and I connected with them on Twitter on a thread discussing um, autism and how autism stories are told. Um, These two young ladies are both autistic and have been friends for many, many years. And uh, I wanted to connect with them, um, one, because they are nude podcasters like me. Sound like I said nude podcasters? That is not what I said. I'm not aware that they are nude when they record their podcast. But anyways, <laughs> um, so talk about podcasting and what that's been like for them on their journey. And also talk about autism. If you're not aware, I have a daughter who's on the autism spectrum. And I've wondered myself if I might be on there somewhere as well. The voices of women and girls who are autistic um, are fairly unique. Um, We tend to have a pretty fixed mindset of what autism looks like, which um, I've written about um, our family's journey and my daughter's journey on my blog um, fairly extensively at catpoland.com because there's just not that much out there. And I wanted to help other families... um, Uh, bring awareness to it and to help get the right diagnosis for their child, which could make all the difference in the world. I hope you enjoyed this conversation. Um, Heidi and Victoria are a lot of fun. I could have talked to them a lot longer. And in fact, I may do some follow-up episodes because there are just so many additional things I want to ask them about being autistic women and what it was like for them growing up and um, how can I, how I can do a better job as a parent Um, I do hope you will check out their podcast as well. They have a lot of interesting topics there. And oh, by the way, they are from Australia. So it was pretty fun. I I interviewed them, of course, they're a day ahead, which just blows my mind. It doesn't take much to blow my mind, but it's kind of fun thinking about talking to them in the future like we were some kind of cool time travelers. Anyways, like I said, I'm easily amused, but I hope you will enjoy this conversation. And more importantly, I hope that you'll be uh, better educated about autism in girls and women. Hello. Hello. Is it good? Uh, sorry, we're just having, I was trying to set it up with headphones so oh. that quality audio for you, but does this sound okay? It sounds great on my end. Yeah. Okay, how adorable is her accent? I mean, come on. I have this Midwestern braces lisping thing going on, and her voice is just so cool, and I could just listen to it all day. Awesome. Okay, okay cool. Yeah. Very loud no. feedback going on, and it was kind of not great. <laughs> no. Oh, gosh. I've had so many technical issues, too, with being new to podcasting. I had one episode where my external microphone cut out so much so that I had to go back in and re-record all of my audio as if I was talking to the other person. It was, oh, <laughs> it was oh that's annoying. Yeah. I mean, fortunately Me. nobody else really noticed, but it was, it was hard. So 
Yeah, we did a episode the other week with a guy who was like on a tropical island and his audio was just oh. like you could hear boats and jet skis in the background and it was like, oh. oh. Yeah, I don't have all like the fancy equipment. Like ho- hopefully someday, but it just didn't seem to make sense to like invest in all of that just getting started, so. Yeah, it's, oh, yeah, we thought the same. We just used the iPhone. <laughs> <laughs> recording yeah. Nice. Awesome. Hey, you know, but I have to say, though, I have to listen to a couple of your episodes. I mean, the audio sounds good, so. Oh, that's good. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. No, it's isn't it weird just trying something new? And I don't know. I, I worry about that, like the technical aspects. Like, what if it doesn't sound good? Because I listen to a lot of podcasts, and I really value great audio production. But I just know that, you know, I'm not an audio engineer, so. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And like, so, is it really worth spending a whole bunch of money straight up on fancy equipment? Yeah. Exactly. So, and and just to warn you, one of my three children may pop in and interrupt, or who knows, or they may be stopping. That's okay. Over, overhead. My fur baby may interrupt. Aww. <laughs> what? You have a dog? I have a little kitten at the moment. Aww. He's the sweetest, but he is also slightly psychotic in the mornings. <laughs> I think that's all cats. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we have, we have a cat. He's an outdoor cat, and he is a hunter. And uh, he does not want to come in the house. Like, we, came, we lived out in the country on, like, 80 acres, and then we moved into town. And he doesn't want to come in the house at all. Like, we can't even make him. So he just sticks around outside. But Nice. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So um, I have some questions for you guys. And Heidi and Victoria are your pseudonyms. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. I have a hard time saying pseudonyms with my braces, so hopefully that makes sense. <laughs> braces are relatively new, but um, hopefully it'll be worth it. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm so glad I don't have braces anymore. I do not uh, envy you. You had braces? I had braces in high school. Oh, I blocked most of high school out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I had, I, I, I blocked most of high school out probably just by the amount of alcohol I drank, but. <laughs> <laughs> yes, my sort of girl. <laughs> okay, so it cracks me up. So your description um, on your blog is two Aspies walk into a bar. One orders a mocktail. The other gets blackout drunk. I maybe can guess which was which just after listening to a few of your podcasts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> maybe I'm wrong. Yeah. Heidi's the alcoholic. <laughs> yeah, and then I don't drink at all. Uh, so. How did you meet? High school. Well, because oh. I had first... Victoria Victoria is an immigrant, and okay. she moved over to my school, and yeah. I was the weirdo that showed everybody around school, and she got stuck with me. Yeah, it was great, because the last buddy I had, because I... It's a bit weird, because I'm from Canada, moved to Australia, and I wasn't sure, like, because I left in grade seven, and I wasn't sure, like, do I need to go grade... Oh eight or like nine or whatever so I did a day of grade eight and then a day of grade nine my grade eight buddy abandoned me and then uh Heidi stuck with me so your grade eight probably had friends (laughs) she did (laughs) she left me me lonely me and my librarian friends were happy to take you in (laughs) gotcha so why why the move to Australia uh well I'm from northern Alberta and it was, it's like, the I think currently it's the 13th most dangerous city in Canada. And it wow. was like, not a great place to grow up. Yeah. Um, 
And uh, but, but Queensland was <laughs> a lot better than where I'm from. And um, yeah, Dad got a job. We came to Australia on vacation in 2010 and moved over here in 2012. Huh. Wow. Yeah, because I know I put something on Twitter a while back about, um, you know, our family would just considering the possibility of moving somewhere. My husband and I, we like to dream about it and talk about it. We're like um, intrigued by the idea of New Zealand. But um, I looked at plane tickets for like $6,000 each. Is that right? Yeah. $6,000? To get over, uh, like, to get over here. About, yeah, it's absolutely ridiculous. And hence why we don't go to, uh, don't, go, don't go home very often. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's why all Australians just go to Bali. It's the yeah. only cheap place to fly. <laughs> it was like, I think the 6000 may have been like closer to Christmas or something because if you're getting them for under 2000 that's decent. Okay. Um, but like the best thing we ever did. Would not wow. recommend it. Because you're from America, right? Yes. Right, okay. Yeah, yeah. I am, so I am from smack dab in the middle of America. I'm from Kansas. Okay. So, yes. So all of the Wizard of Oz references are fine yeah. with me. I actually really love Wizard of Oz. Like, it's one of my favorite movies. So I know a lot of people in Kansas get tired of it. I'm like, ah, I love it. So, <laughs> yeah. So, okay. So you guys met in high school. And do you mind if I ask, like, how far out of high school you are? Um, God, we graduated 2015. Years. Yeah, five okay. years. Almost coming up six. Yeah. Okay. Holy moly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Could you not ask that again? <laughs> oh, you guys are just babies. Well, I feel I feel old, but I graduated in, what, 2002? Yeah, I don't know. It was a while ago. Um, it's my favorite thing to do at work. I'll, like, tell the older guys what year I was born, and that's, like, the oh, year they God. graduated high school, and they're just like, could you not, please? <laughs> yeah. No. I feel honestly like other than my body kind of falling apart, like coming into my late thirties, it's great because you just don't care about all the stuff you cared about when you're younger and just feel more confident in who you are. And yeah. Yeah. I so, look forward to that. <laughs> it's yeah. I feel like I've always been an old soul. Like I've always kind of maybe been in my late forties my whole life, but I'm growing into that. So yeah. But. My joints think I'm in my late 40s. Oh, but, but. yeah. <laughs> no, I, I recently did, um, I don't know if you know about her, there's this girl called Chloe Ting. She's an Australian fitness girl, and she does uh -huh. these, like, two-week challenges, and it's a lot of, like, core stuff, getting up and down on the ground. And I was doing it, like, getting up and down off the ground was the workout for me. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm, I'm done. I not feel this old. That's it. No. So, okay, so you guys have been friends for what? You met in high school, so you've been friends for like seven years, maybe longer? Yeah, almost nine, I think. Oh, nine you years, wow. You came over? Yeah, so it'd be closer to nine. Yeah. So when did you decide to start a podcast and why? Well, um, we actually, <laughs> yeah, about a month ago. Wow. Well, about two months, two months ago, ago, I reckon. Um, we actually ended up like friends in high school and then, we got separated at uni because Victoria couldn't start uni straight away with the whole um, citizenship thing. Yeah, it got expensive. It got really expensive because we weren't citizens and so we had to pay mm. international fees. Wow. Which would have bankrupt us. <laughs> yeah. But then so we got separated there, but we did the same degree and we've ended up at the same company and now in the same office, which yeah. is really awesome. But uh, we were just ranting at lunchtime all the time. And we were like, man, this feels so validating to have mm -hmm. someone else 
go through the same stuff or just just know that that pain or that feeling exists in somebody else mm-hmm. and we just you're not alone yeah and that was mean like whether from being queer in a place that's kind of not safe to be queer or like trying to mask your autism or something yeah women in a male dominated industry yeah it was yeah. just it was nice to feel validated and we just hoped that we could do that for anybody else mm. we do tick a lot of like random boxes so <laughs> we just wanted to help yeah so i know um you talked about it in one of your episodes but talk to me about your journey to an autism diagnosis and what that looked like for each of you yeah you want to go first i'll go first um so i think mine was just Living with undiagnosed autism, it just, you will hit a breaking point. You know, it just, stuff starts to get too much. And especially I was starting to come into the real world. I wasn't in my little bubble at uni anymore because the uni I went to was quite quiet. There was only like 10 people in my class. Um, And starting to join the industry and be out in public, it started to become very very obvious how different I was Mm. and I wasn't coping with certain things and things I'd put down to in the past as just high school depression or uni Mm. depression or um, just, you know, just other traumas were kind of masking what was really there. And I got to a breaking point. I went and saw a psychologist and they went three minutes in, they were like, do you think maybe you're autistic? And I was like, absolutely not. I can go to nightclubs just fine. And they were like, yeah, it's a bit more than that. And so we went through the whole process of testing and um, it opened my eyes a lot. Yeah, it was, mm-hmm. it was very needed at the point I got diagnosed. What about you, Victoria? Well, I had a similar thing because I had a lot of mental health issues going through high school and especially at the beginning of uni. Um, and that's what I chalked, like what was going on with me up to is just these mental illnesses. Mm-hmm. and um I was <laughs> editing a book for a friend and I was like look you don't have enough diversity in here you know maybe try throwing in some uh people of color or some neurodiverse characters and she asked about like the idiot savant uh autism character like can I do that and I was like mm-hmm. probably not a good idea <laughs> um but and then I you know this should have been a warning sign got into a research rabbit hole um of researching what an autistic character would look like and I was watching this one video and we should probably put this on our social media because it was just like mm. this guy was giving a lecture about women and, aut- and oh. autism was it Tony like, Tony what's his I last name I don't remember off the top of my head this was a couple years ago okay. but he was fantastic and I was watching this going I need to bring this up with my therapist <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this, is, this is a thing and um it's just like I was like, my world opened and I was like, this is why, this is why I'm so different and why I have all these issues. It makes so much more sense. It was incredible. It's like, I'm not crazy. I'm just autistic. Yeah. <laughs> it's so satisfying to get that feeling. Yeah, no, I, um, I'm really intrigued by your stories and I'm grateful that um, you were able to find that answer. Um, and I don't know, for whatever reason, I feel like here in the United States, um, especially um, autism and girls, I mean, is, is very underdiagnosed. I know that is worldwide, but I feel like I felt like the research I was doing as a parent was always from people from Australia or the UK. <laughs> and I didn't know, it was just like, it was so much further ahead than what 
we, I, I feel like I might have a bit of a theory about that though. I think okay. it might be our um, public health system mm. because it is like uh, we have things over here called mental health care plans. So you can go to your GP and you get six therapy sessions for free or like mm. I think, you know, our medical system, no offence, oh. has probably set us up a little bit for people to get diagnosed yeah. easier and to get help easier. Not that it's... Because I kind of, I think but. it's... Like, it's quite expensive to get diagnosed over there, isn't it? Like it's oh, like, well, it's yeah. Well, expensive, and there's just aren't, I mean, there just aren't the professionals there to do it. And I think especially when it yeah. comes to girls. So kind of um, backing up a little bit. And I want to talk, too, about um, how we connected. As far, correct me if I'm wrong. What I remember is I had put a question on Twitter. For, I wanted to hear from people who are actually autistic about their relationships with their parents. and. Mm. Um, one of the reasons I asked that is because, um, I had come across a thread about a book. I came over the book or I don't remember who read it. A recently published book, a mother wrote, and it was from the sibling's perspective of, um, it was like That's a middle, right, yeah. middle school age, you know what I'm talking about? And, yeah. um, and how the tone of that book, um, was really hurtful to people. And I, I, um, so I was concerned at first because I could totally see where they're coming from. And then at the same time, I myself have written um, a rhyming children's picture book um, written from the perspective of the sibling of a special needs child. And the way I approached it was, um, you know, my kids have all signed off on it. My autistic daughter and my neurotypical daughter, and they both feel like it's a good representation of their um, yeah. unique, th that sibling dynamic that I feel like is a, is a yeah. It's an important story to tell, but mm -hmm. I I want you to to do so sensitively. Um, but so I put that question out there because I um, I want you know I want to see like who has a good relationship with their parents or if they don't why. And I think you one of you responded to it, right? I think we probably both responded. Yeah. Both okay. I I think I might have responded, but we both got very tumultuous relationships mm. with our parents it's it's interesting yeah i'm not sure if i'd put that down to my autism maybe there's some sort of mm. barrier but there's other stuff going on there as well i think it's a generational thing like if somebody in the generation above us has mental health issues they tend to not look after themselves and deal with it they just take it out on the kids yeah yeah Mom. yeah that's my mom <laughs> Uh, Hence why yeah. we're saying anonymous, because we both still love our moms a lot, yes. but we want to be able to talk about going through, you know, a hard relationship with your mother and how we felt. Yeah, no, I don't know. Um, yeah, it's, it's been interesting. So um, my oldest daughter, I, I invited her to be here with me today and to talk to both of you. And she was like, nah, I just really don't want you. So no offense to you guys, but um, yeah. She was just, she wanted to do her own thing, so I said, okay. Um, is she the one with autism? Or yes. Autism? Yeah. Okay. No, she is. Fair enough. Oh, uh, I know. <laughs> she, yeah. So, I mean, she's just, oh my gosh, she's just the most awesome kid. Um, so she's 11 and a half, exactly 11 and a half today. Today's her half birthday. And she was my firstborn, so, um, yeah, I didn't really know what I was doing. Um, mm. But there was a few things I noticed. Um, early on that I thought, well, okay, that's, that's interesting. I don't know what's happening here. She was extremely, um, extremely intelligent, um, first of all. And second of all, like right before she would hit any kind of a milestone, she would be like 
really agitated, really upset, and then she would hit that milestone and, and seem to feel better. But one, one interesting thing she would do, um, at about nine months old, I noticed she would get up on all fours in her crib and rock like front to back. And, um, and she would chant like rhythmically <laughs> and make this like, and, and I thought, okay, that's, I didn't know, you know, that's my first baby. I didn't know what's normal. Um, but I remember like looking it up or something. I didn't find too much on it. So, um, and then, so she also started speaking in like full paragraphs by about 18 months old. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. I mean, we'd go places and people like, how old is she? You know, she just, blah, blah, blah. So she's hyperverbal. Like talking is a way that she calms herself. Um, <laughs> and yeah. And so, <laughs> oh, there's just so many funny stories. So like, I remember she was about 18 months old or so. And so she'd have these like rhythmic chantings in her crib. And one night to the baby monitor, I heard no more mommy, no more mommy. <laughs> and, I was like, and she and I just laugh about that now. It's like, Oh no, I don't know what I did to make you that mad that day. But, um, so it's just like these little clues. And then like about two years old, she would empty out the, the entire bathroom cabinet and she would sort, um, all of the bathroom items by brand logo. Oh, why oh, are you coming for me like that? Oh. <laughs> Sorry, are you feeling are you feeling attacked right now? Like, yeah, that's me. my favorite thing to do as a kid was to like um, put coins in like order of like sizes and like like I'd get my mom's purse, empty out all the coins, and then like count them all and yeah. have them in nice piles. Warning sign. Warning. Oh sign. my gosh. Okay, I, lo I love that you're like yes, yes. Okay, this is Daniel. You want to say hi? Hi. Hi. <laughs> <Daniel>. <laughs> you need buddy. Hello. <laughs> I just dropped you there. Sorry about that. So this is obviously when my five-year-old burst into the room and I turned and I yanked my laptop down off my desk and it fell and <laughs> I'm leaving all of this real life stuff in here to hopefully encourage you to start a podcast or a blog or whatever creative endeavor you're trying to do, even if you have kids and even if they interrupt you and cause you to make a big scene. Hey, buddy. I will know that, okay? Or ask Erica. Okay. That's Daniel. He's five. Are you still there? Yes. Yes. Okay. I don't know what just happened, but y'all just fell and you're okay. <laughs> so, okay. This is like, and it's so validating for me as a parent to hear two autistic women say, yes, that's <laughs> it's like our story too, because. Sounds like, I, I don't know if you had any, but I definitely had rhythmic chants. Mm. I, my parents tell this story of when I was about just under 18 months and I started to stand up in my crib and I would say oi and they just thought I was really Australian I'd be like oi 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 <laughs> but it was just it was just some form of I don't know stimming or something but it was my trying to get their attention but also just hours of oi 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 yeah and I remember that's when I went to a friend's house I looked at her closet and I was like nope and so I sat there and like reorganized this poor girl's closet and the mom came in and she was like what on earth are you doing i'm like i'm organizing the closet obviously what, what do you mean were your clothes color coordinated growing oh, up too yes yes and they have to be in order and then it's like dresses over here yep. and then sweaters and it's like black white all the color. my cupboard has always been in rainbow water like oh, always yeah. oh that's funny <laughs> that's funny <laughs> was my autism or my queerness <laughs> Yeah, I, it's just, um, it's just, it's so great. Like you guys said before, like, you, you know, you sit there at the lunch table at work and you, 
you find that community of, you know, somebody else that gets what you're talking about. It's like, um, you know, like with my daughter, you know, as we, and then uh, of course, you know, she, she would have meltdowns and, um, I didn't understand what was going on as a parent. And then you try the normal parenting approaches, which did not work <laughs> whatsoever. Yeah. Yeah. And then you get all the criticism from other people. Like you just need to discipline her and she needs this. Yeah. And it's just, Oh, and so I, I got, she got to about four years old and then I had her younger sister and I could see the, the differences there. And I was like, okay, like, it's just something else is going on here. So I started doing some research and I think it's Tony Atwood. I think Tony Atwood was the, the gentleman from Australia who did a lot of um, talks about um, girls and women with autism. And um, so when she was four years old, I took her in to have her tested um, a really great psychologist, but they had, they hadn't, they hadn't changed the diagnostic criteria yet. So at that time they said, well, they said, we she, love that criteria. <laughs> oh. She said, um, she said she's highly intelligent and has high anxiety. I went, okay. So we went with that for a couple more years. But um, by the time she got to second grade, I mean, things were really starting to get really, really difficult for her. Um, so you know what? Like, I'm just, I'm not taking that for an answer because there's something else, you know. Yeah. So uh, took her back in. And then that diagnostic criteria had changed and they said, okay, yes, yes, she's autistic. And that, like you guys said, like you get that, it's like, oh, like angels yeah. are singing, the heavens open. And then I felt, I was the one who felt like, okay, I'm not crazy either as a parent. Like, yeah. Um, so yeah. And then, um, yeah, she's doing, she's doing really, really well. Um, and we've had to get her, find her additional supports along the way, but, um, it's just been so, it's so interesting. Other people's reactions. I don't know if you guys could talk about that at all. Like, especially with, um, boys and men and how autism might present with them versus how it presents yeah. in women. So I don't know if you could talk yeah. about those misperceptions you might face. Well, I, whenever I've told someone that I got diagnosed, they're like, no, no, you're not. Like I, I, I told my parents and they were like, no, surely not. And I am an extrovert. I love people but it in that saying that it's very exhausting to be around them um and I think yeah because I wasn't that Sheldon Cooper from the Big Bang Theory type character people just almost wouldn't believe me and I was like because because I didn't have a diagnosis I'd been suppressing things like meltdowns I'd been mm -hmm. um, sort of holding back on what I needed to kind of get through a day and it yeah, it was, people hadn't seen that side of me, but it was, yeah, it was interesting. Yeah. You? Uh, just wanted to say two things really quickly. I just did a quick Google search. Yes, it was Tony Atwood that uh, I saw. His, that man, hell yeah, I love him. <laughs> uh, and then two, I just, abs like, it's warming my heart so much here that another woman with autism is, like, getting diagnosed younger. It's so and nice. The help she needs and like being able to understand why she is the way she is because that wasn't something either Heidi or I had and yeah so it, I would have I would have loved that support that would have made a world of difference yeah. so good on you for getting it for her because Aww. it can be missed in girls mm -hmm. quite a bit mm -hmm. um but yeah in terms of me I mean I haven't told a whole bunch of people but I told my siblings and they were like oh yeah that checks out cool mm -hmm. um and like they're 
amazing and really supportive. Uh, and then I told my mom and she was like, she almost got angry at me. Like, no, you're not. What are you yeah, doing? Like, same. Wow. You know, and then she came back to me a couple of days later and was like, so I've searched this up and you don't check these, you know, three boxes or whatever. <sighs> and that's fantastic. And I just haven't brought it up with her again. And like, this is another reason why we're anonymous because like, I think she would get really angry at me. Oh yeah. Um, you know, like, I have, you know, my psychologist therapist whatever backing me up on this it's just I think like because my mother reacted quite the same way my mother's a nurse so she and she actually works in the mental health areas at the moment and I think she was just mad that she didn't pick yeah. it up yeah. mm -hmm. and so I think it's that motherly instinct of like no I know my child best mm -hmm. and yeah they can't put that aside yeah like I haven't even told my dad because it went so badly mom dad still doesn't know yeah i told uh, my dad was fairly okay he was like because dad and i are best friends and mm. uh he is also in the stem field so and we do like to say that everyone in stem is <laughs> sometimes on the spectrum um but yeah i think he was just a bit like no you're not like i didn't pick it up mm. so it was more just that because you're not sheldon cooper i'm not sheldon so cooper you can't be autistic no but we did watch a, um, there's this great show in Australia called You Can't Ask That, mm -hmm. and they get um, groups of minorities, and then they ask them all the questions that you shouldn't ask. So they've wow. had, you know, homeless people, alcoholics, um, Muslims, and they had people with autism on there, and my dad and I were watching the show, and he was going, oh, that is you. Oh, mm. <laughs> that is you. And it kind of clicked for him. Wow. But yeah, it, it's hard with the parents. Uh, getting a late diagnosis, especially if you got it off your own will, yep. mm. it's hard to tell your parents because they are, they didn't do it. Wow. I hadn't thought about it from that perspective that it's, it was you seeking that and not them. And um, yeah, we had interesting reactions from family as well. Um, some supportive, some that just didn't, you know, just didn't understand. They had to kind of research on their own. And then... <laughs> I had one family member, like, honest to God, ask me, have you ever heard of the term Munchausen by proxy? Oh, and my God. I was, like, I was so angry. I can't even, yeah, we're, we have a good relationship now, but that was, it was rough. We had some rough patches because. That's so mean. Yeah. And it was like this innocent, like, yeah, have you heard about this? Because I'm like, oh, like, they, like, actually thought that I was causing my child to, I don't know yeah it was yeah so, that's, that's but, horrible I, I've done quite a bit of research in the past <laughs> Munchausen's by proxy was something I dove quite deep into oh. I, it was a case of it in the town that we grew up in and so I wow. deep dove into researching it and that's so horrible for someone to suggest because it is a real serious yeah. illness like it is yeah 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 so I'm curious um do either of you believe that either of your parents might be autistic? I don't think so. I have a sneaking suspicion about my dad, but that's, like I said, he's in STEM, he's an engineer, so it's kind of just that stereotype. Um, it's kind of hard because the way I present is not the stereotype, and sometimes I yes. don't even believe that I'm autistic. Mm. It's hard to pick it up in anybody else but maybe maybe not my I, I do have two grandparents that were both very very intelligent one was very very into planes <laughs> so there might have been a hint of it there but it's too long ago for there to be any sort of diagnosis yeah I think it's interesting um 
so I have a, an aunt and an uncle on my mom's side. She's one of eight siblings. Um, where they're in their seventies now, but I, I can see it now. And I go, Oh, like that's what was going on with them. Um, but I wonder, I wonder, I have my own theories about this. Like, I think there's always been the same percentage of autistic persons, but I think, you know, now we've got better diagnostic criteria, more awareness. And I think too, and correct me if I'm wrong, I feel like our society right now and just how everything's so overstimulated and like it's, it's, it's set up in such a way that, um, like puts more stress and strain on autistic individuals. And you have to go get that diagnosis. You have the, the breakdown that the end point is coming sooner in people's lives because of mm. things like social media and just the yeah. overstimulation. I completely Agreed. agree because yeah. if I was like some peasant living on a cottage in England, <laughs> you know, I wouldn't have a problem because there aren't <laughs> these stupid flashing lights everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I do. I think there's, there's something to that for sure. Um, and maybe, yeah, like their lifestyle they had growing up, um, it's quieter, yeah. more routine. Um, but yeah. I also think there's a bit more kindness to, towards um, different needs now. Mm -hmm. Like in the past, it's only been high care individuals who have got the attention, who have got the media attention, who have like, they were just kind of, you know, the people who need to be put in homes and stuff like that. That's all people kind of knew of it. And now it's, we're realizing that there's people who can function quite well, but still have this mm -hmm. in the past. They would have just had to keep functioning. Mm -hmm. That's true. They just had to kind of shove it down, shove it down, shove it down. Yeah. 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 A lot more masking. And um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting too, because um, so many people aren't aware what masking is. And it, that's been a, a, a tough bridge to cross with my daughter and her teachers in the school system. Like, um, mm -hmm because they just don't see it, what we see at home. Um, or a lot of times I feel like they have the heart, like they have good intentions, but they don't have the head. They don't have that, <laughs> the research and the knowledge on. And the lived experience. Like you, yeah. need to, you can research all you want, but once you actually meet an autistic person or live with their specific needs, mm -hmm. it takes a lot to understand it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Like, uh, you know, and my daughter has asked me, she's like, mom, are you autistic? And I'm like, well, not that I know of. I said, but my, my mom thinks I probably am because I'm, I've just always been different. And um, but I grew up in a really like quirky household where I think I just, there was a lot of allowance to be really, really different, you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, but I remember, you know, I told my daughter, I said, well, grandma thinks I could be. She said, Grandma remembers these horrific meltdowns I'd have as a child. I would just get so, like, just blinding rage, just so angry. And uh, my daughter just looked at me deadpan. She's like, well, you still get that way. So, yeah, you probably are. And I'm like, I'm not that bad. Like, so, like That's the best thing about an autistic person. They're never going to no, lie to you. No, <laughs> no, never. You're getting the honest truth. <laughs> so I, yeah. So I'm rather curious, how, like, does masking uh, how does your daughter present with masking? Does she mask to you? No. No. Okay. No, like, uh, and that's, and that's, that's hard. It's not, that's not hard. And I'm glad she doesn't because I know it means like I'm her safe place. Um, yeah. But then I get all the, you know, she's like a pop bottle shaking up all day, shaking up and yeah, I, yeah. I get the explosion, which um, 
my mom tells me she's like it's an honor that she it's like okay mom it's an honor but you know it's it really is i mean um i'm gonna call my partner that because that's what he gets he gets <laughs> the explosion of the end like remember it's an honor that i think you're it's my a, safe space <laughs> yes it is an honor no you know and she and i have a we have a really really close relationship now and it's funny because i've had to learn to manage my own stuff um because i've got my own issues with anxiety and depression and and I'm really realizing now more and more, like, um, I've just pushed myself uh, in the past when things like, you know, were, I was overstimulated or I was stressed out. I would just push myself through it. And I just, maybe it's the older I get, I'm like, I just can't do that anymore. But so I find now if she's being real snippy or she blows up at me or throws something at me or if I just, you know, kind of stay calm and tell her. I'm not okay with that. She she will come back every time and just be like, I'm sorry, I was being a jerk. <laughs> you know, just so you know, if I can uh maintain myself, then she you know, but if I feed her back the same energy she's feeding me, it's gonna be an explosion. And so that's been a learning process. But um well, I guess with every parent though, also like even if it's not an autistic child, you've gotta almost rise above the yes. <laughs> Yeah, like I know that I've had a parent that doesn't do that, that give, gives the same toddler energy back to the toddler uh, and it, it makes it hard for the kids for sure. Yeah, no. Yeah, that is one thing about becoming a parent. Like you have to, you have to deal with your own stuff like right mm -hmm. away. <laughs> you can't keep, you know, shoving it to the side. But you, you'd ask about how she masks and um, yeah, she, I mean, she's pretty skilled uh, at masking. Um, and it caused her, I think last year in school, she was in fifth grade, um, which is a hard age for girls regardless. Um, but it was a real struggle for her because she would be very outgoing and bubbly and chatty at school and make all these friends. And then she was having a hard time maintaining those friendships because that's not who she really was. Yeah. So it sounds like that was like hit a nerve for both of you. Like you've been there before. I have burnt through so many friendships in the past and I thought I was just like too brutally honest or I was just too much energy or something was just a bit too much about me. Yeah, it turns out that people do not respond well to just like being told the truth straight up, <laughs> especially teenage girls. They don't love being told something straight up. And I have acknowledged, and this is how um, Victoria found out about my diagnosis. Once I got diagnosed, I realised holy, I have been really rude in the past. Mm. That's why I went through some friendships. So I inboxed her and I was like, thanks for putting up with me. Like, I get it now. I've been a bit too much. And she was like, what happened? I was like, I got diagnosed. She was like, same. <laughs> <laughs> but I had quite a few wow. people that I like, thought about. And I like, because I remember there was one girl in high school who I was kind of close with. She was within this friendship group that I kind of hung around with. And um, she was struggling with an eating disorder and mm. We could all see that, but no one wanted to say anything. And I just had the, you know, logical conclusion of like, well, if no one says anything, nothing will happen. So mm -hmm. I took her aside and I was like, do you need help? And it was just the most abrupt, abrasive way to do it. And it was so wrong. And I hate myself for doing Aww. it now. But I like inboxed her and I was like, I'm so sorry that I went about it that way. I really hope that you've dealt with it now. And she was like, no, it's okay. I totally get it. It was just you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I had a similar thing. Um, where like you mentioned that your daughter is really like good at making friends and being bubbly and energetic mm -hmm. and then has trouble maintaining those relationships. Mm -hmm. That like I'm just having this epiphany as we speak that 
that was me. Mm-hmm. It is me because I can make friends and put on that mask mm-hmm. in that front and be bubbly and friendly and energetic. And then two months down the line, I'm like, oh my goodness, I have to maintain this now. I can't do yeah. it. Or like there's just the one conversation that happens that you didn't realize was like rude and suddenly oh. they're pissed and then you don't know how to deal with it. Yeah. And it yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. So it's like, you know, yeah, she, she hits her wall. She, she can't keep up that energy anymore. And then she'll just ghost people. Like, you know, they're, they're texting her they, and then she just shuts down. And then people interpret that as her being rude or stuck up or something. And that's not it. And it's, yeah. Yeah. It's just, sorry, I physically that, yeah. cannot do this right now. It's not mm-hmm. you. It's me. Yeah. Well, some of my best friends are the ones that I can ghost for six months and then turn around and be like, Hey, and like we just you. pick up like, we, yeah, yeah, like us. Yeah. <laughs> I think we probably had two years apart. Where, and then we just picked yeah. up and we were like, what is that? A podcast? <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it's funny. Cause like, I feel like, the person that she jives with the best is actually my best friend's son. They're the exact same age and he is autistic too. And, you know, they can just sit side beside each other on the couch playing, you know, playing video games separately on their phones and not really have to talk. And it's just, it's great. So it's kind of funny because he, (laughs) he had a huge crush on her, possibly still does, but he, he's real, you know, forward too. And, um, are you there? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. He's real forward too. And he told her, he said, um, I want to marry you someday because, um, I don't, you know, I don't want to be lonely and, uh, and you'd be the best person for me or something like that. And (laughs) she told him, she said, uh, I guess if by the time I'm 40, I'm not married to anybody else, then okay. So it's like, and he was like, and he was like, okay. (laughs) <laughs> I remember one of my high school buddies because I always got along better with guys. Um, I think it's just that they do have a little bit more room for you to be brutally honest towards them. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember my friend of I, we were 16, got really drunk. He professed his love to oh. me. Oh, uh, single by 40, we could get married. <laughs> oh, oh no, that's so funny. Oh. That's so cute. Yeah. Of course, I'm se- like secretly, ho- I'm hoping it w- works out because that's my best friend. And then if our kids marry, it'd be, you know. Yeah. Um, that's the dream as best friends, isn't it? <laughs> yes. But who knows how it's going to end up. Yeah. Too funny that you had a similar experience. So, oh, man. I it just like clicked in my head that that was really rude. Oh, <laughs> well, yeah, he didn't seem to take it that way, though. He just... Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, oh, my guy friends were pretty good. They were all fairly like, I'd just say rude stuff to them all the time. They're just taking on the chin. <laughs> uh, okay. So I'm going to switch gears a little bit because I want to ask you guys specifically about podcasting because that's another thing we have in common that not everybody does. That's a bit out of line with what the average person does. But, um, just talk to me about how your experience has gone so far, like saying, okay, we're going to do this to, oh my gosh, we're doing this. And then it's out there, like, you know, kind of feedback you've gotten or kind of the dialogue that's been going through your head. Just talk to me about that. Yeah, sure. Um, so I've, well, first of all, we had like someone message us and this was literally like yesterday or something going, oh my goodness, I feel so validated. You guys have like the exact same experience as I have. And this was like our first piece of real feedback. And Heidi and I have just been like, it's amazing. I, I teared <laughs> up because we started this going, if we can, 
as it turns out, it was just a super cute conversation about the kitty and how he likes tummy rubs. But anyways, I thought that was super fun. Okay, I'm back. <laughs> we'll see if I bought myself. I know. We'll see if I bought myself five more minutes. But <laughs> what's going on with my hair here? I don't know. You look great. So I wanted you guys to feel super comfortable with me. So I just wore no makeup and didn't do my hair. No, that okay. That's just me. Like pretty much every day. Like I just rarely. Really we only like an hour ago, so there was no makeup or hair. Oh, because that's Tori's right. Got makeup on, so she's very organized, but I am not. <laughs> yeah, because for you guys, it's tomorrow. So for you guys, it is the morning of Sunday, December 6th, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's so trippy to me. That's what <laughs> You get used to it. So, uh, so like I'm literally like traveling from the past to talk to you. Okay, so. We were talking about podcasting and producing. Uh, yeah, so what yeah. programs do you use? Well, <laughs> I just do it kind of backwards. So I do a lot of video production and like mm -hmm. for my job, for my job. So that's the software I'm used to. So I tried to learn the audio software and it just couldn't, I couldn't get it. So, um, I use actually use a video editing program and then I just yeah, export same. exports audio because it's just easier yeah. for me. Yeah, so. no, I'm, I feel the same because I've been trying to, for a while, to get, like, a courage to start up a YouTube channel because I'm mm. very into fitness and, um, like, food and nutrition. And, and so I bought this, like, video editing software a while ago and I make a video and then I never put it up because I'm nervous. But, um, yeah, it's so much easier to use that, I find. Yeah, uh, yeah, it really is. I don't know why the audio editing software just feels so much more complicated and I don't, <laughs> I don't know why, so, but... Okay, so um, I guess going back to the autism topic. So there's a book that I read that was super helpful. Uh, I was going to see if I could bring up. I, I couldn't find my physical copy. I think I since we moved, I don't have it. But I don't know if either of you had it or were familiar with it. It's like it's called What Every Autistic Girl Wishes Her Parents Knew. Oh, oh, okay. I'm looking this up because I'll probably buy it afterwards. Yeah, this oh, sounds good. No, I like I oh yeah, okay, so I'm gonna bring it up here. And I'll just do like a little screen share here. Okay. Oh uh, let me know if you can see it. Okay. Can you see that? Yeah, I can see that. So yeah, it's the Autism Women's Network is another group I had started following. It was, it was so wonderful. It was really eye-opening. I'm grateful that um, as a parent that I found that fairly early in our journey. Nice. But I, will, I would imagine that you guys will probably read it and be like, oh my gosh, like wishing, you know, but it may be helpful if, if and when you have the time, you know, that conversation, you're able to have that with your parents that, you know, certainly wouldn't be too late, you know, for them just to understand the things that you wish they had. Yeah, totally. I, I'll probably end up grabbing that book after we finish chatting. Yeah. Uh, oh, I, do I that. think I, um, it's just, I think for me, I, I'm not sure. And it's hard to say, I'm not sure if my parents care enough to understand. Mm. Like they know who I am as a person. They know me. I don't know if the intricacies of autism is something they care to understand. So, mm. but it might be interesting for me to read. It might be very validating. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, possibly. Yeah. I don't know. Um, 
So I have, I have one, one more question about, I'm um, so I'm interested, you guys use the term Aspie. I know that that's a kind of a, a debated, a debated name in and of itself, you know, using the term Asperger's. I personally, I felt like that the Aspie term like really resonated with my daughter's experience. And so I'm grateful for that to kind of find um, people with similar um, makeup that she does. But then some people disagree with that. I just didn't know your, how you guys had kind of come to that decision together. Yeah, sure. Um, so I feel like what you're saying with your daughter, that she kind of resonates with that term is kind of what we felt as well, because mm -hmm. calling it ASD1, Autism Spectrum Disorder 1, it feels like such a medical term, and it's never mm -hmm. been a medical thing for me. It's just the way mm -hmm. that I am and the way that I exist in this world. And so, and I realize that there are negative connotations with Asperger's because apparently like he wasn't a great guy. Yeah, he was not a great guy. <laughs> um, but like it's sometimes it's like reclaiming that and being like this is a community of people who think differently and experience the world differently and it's not like a medical thing that needs to be fixed or cured or anything. And so I, we both kind of came to that same conclusion mm -hmm. of it feels more like a community and less like a diagnosis you need to pop a couple pills for. Yeah, I think for me, the term autistic made me feel sick. Like, not sick, like, like ill, vomity sick. I mean, it, it made me feel like there was something wrong with me mm. sort of thing because there's so much stigma around that word. And so it was hard to connect with it. It was hard to take it on. It was hard to be, like, proud of it. Whereas I feel like Aspie is a term that I can be proud of because it's just... It's just about who I am. It's not how. It's not about how I'm broken. It's more just about how I'm different. Yeah. And so that's how I felt about it. And I, yes, I know that he was a bad person. And I know that people in the past have not liked um, Asperger's as a diagnosis because it's a, you know, it separates high and low functioning, and there's that whole discussion. But I just think the term itself really it was the way to cope with the diagnosis for me. Yeah, yeah. it's a bit of reclaiming as well, like reclaiming yeah. the word fear. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's, you yeah. You don't get to use this term against me. This is not my choose. I'm myself. proud of it. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. No, I like that. I like that. What, what you said about like finding, you feel like you have a community of people. Like it's, um, mm -hmm. and I'm, I'm kind of like, of course I'm not like looking at your logos, which is what I see when I'm talking <laughs> yeah. to you, but you know, it's a circle. It's like a, something that everyone yeah. can, can yeah. gather around. And um, yeah, no, I, I don't know. I, I found that too. Like, you know, um, like I, you know, tell people my daughter's autistic she tells she tells people she's autistic you know and it doesn't bother her but at the same time there is just a different feeling to the term aspie yeah, yeah. and i feel like if i tell someone i'm um aspie then it's they're kind of curious if i tell them i'm autistic it, that's when it's more leaning towards that no you're not you're not sheldon cooper mm. <laughs> it's just but, so linked to people's head with that stereotype yeah like you're making eye contact with me you could yeah. possibly <laughs> Practice yeah. <laughs> yeah her second grade teacher uh he we had her diagnosed in second grade and he his first response was are you sure because she makes eye contact I'm like okay <laughs> so, oh yeah so i'm really curious because like i've never met another woman who are like who got diagnosed so early got diagnosed really <laughs> early i was like obviously she's telling people that she's asking how are her like her friends and her peers reacting to that um that's a good question i i feel like because so as her mom 
I have been very um, open and upfront and like, feel like I'm trying to like pave the way for her to walk forward in life with her head held high and this is who she is and she should be proud of it and celebrate it. And (laughs) I mean, so I feel like, like that's just the tone I have set with her from the beginning and she's almost, oh my God, she's hilarious. She's, <laughs> she's almost like um, overconfident some of the time. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like she can just be like, um, well, I'm smarter than anybody in this room. So, you know, it's just like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Love it, love so, it. I mean, I'm trying to think if she's had any specific negative feedback directly related to her autism diagnosis and I can't I mean she's had like, friends in like what your friends in school did they take it well or um she was in second grade I think there was just like a lot of confusion so okay so actually I remember kind of how we came out about it um I was her girl scout leader and so we had our little troop of girl scouts and um <laughs> I I bought a like a tropical plant at the store and I brought it to the meeting and I said, um, I talked, I kind of wanted to reclaim the whole concept of labels and labeling. And I talked about how sometimes, you know, we think that we, we can label people in a bad or negative way, but sometimes labels are good because it helps us understand how to take care of somebody or how to take care of ourselves. And I explained, I, you know, pulled the label out of a little tropical plant and said, it's great that we know um what this plant is because it says right here here's here's the water that it needs the sunlight that it needs if we didn't know the specific name for this plant and how to take care of it it might not flourish it might not do as well and then i explained oh so i explained you know that anna um has a label or a name or a term and i you know talked about autism and how we're, we're so glad because now we know how to best take care of anna and I don't know if it got through to them or they're just like, so Anna's a plant? Like, <laughs> you know, what are you trying to, but I mean, I think, I think it communicated it well. Like it, I've always treated it like Sorry, a good thing. It's a thing we're going to celebrate. It's nothing we're ashamed of. Um, I am so sorry. My kids are just, I'm so used to it. I'm like, oh yeah, they're being loud out there. That's my nine, my nine and five year old. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's, you know, um, so she's had, I mean, she has, I just don't think her friends really, really understand it. But then again, she only has like a, a very few small amount of her peers have seen her really struggle. Like she will do everything in her power to avoid having people see her cry, see her struggle. Um, yeah. So. How did your friends cope? Like when I, like when I told about her. Uh, yes. Sorry, Heidi was. <laughs> oh. Me. Oh gosh. Oh, it's <laughs> sorry. Uh, yeah, no, I was just asking Victoria how her friends coped when she, if she told them because. Yeah. Because I, when I got diagnosed, I was like in a uni term, and I have these two close uni friends, and um, we kind of our love language is banter, and <laughs> so we've just. We just uh, pay each other out. But when they found out, yeah, I got it. There was a lot of memes. There was a lot of having a go at me. There was a, they um, almost ordered me a hat that said, please be patient. I'm autistic. 
<laughs> but um, it was so nice because they've seen the meltdowns because uni for us, like for, I know for me, was so stressful. Mm. Um, it's like a it's self-motivated learning. It's not as structured. Mm. It was so hard. They'd already seen the meltdown, so it was just my friends were great about it. Like they were. I'm just thinking back. I think I've told like two of my friends, and they took it really well. Yeah. And they're just like, oh, yeah, that checks out. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. yeah they either get it or they're just like, don't get it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was, I was curious about, uh, and the reason why I asked this question about your daughter is because I feel like Gen Z uh, kids tend to be a lot better with this kind of thing. Oh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I was just curious. So, um, also, kids don't tend to judge just yet. Like, yeah, I feel like when, when so you're young. younger, it doesn't matter if you're different. Just kids... Can be really nice and then obviously society kicks in and they become awful <laughs> <laughs> yeah no it, it's it's fine it's really neat too because like so uh last summer i had a friend come and her kids and um my friend's daughter is um also on the spectrum and we were at the swimming pool and she's a little bit younger and um, her mom told her to go change. Well, she, I think she just kind of lost her sense of awareness of where she was. So she just started stripping down in public at the swimming pool. And Anna, instead of being like, oh, my gosh, what are you doing? Like, so I just handed her a towel. I said, okay, here, here, honey, you need to cover up, you know. And um, it didn't really phase me that much. So I'm like, okay, you know, this is happening, whatever. And, but Anna was just looked at her. She's like, ah, it happens to all of us. It's okay. Like, you know, like, <laughs> it's just. Yeah, you're right. Like, a lot of kids, just, they just don't care. Yeah. They can so. be quite kind when they want to be. And then, and then it's only kind of when you grow up that you tend to go, oh, that person's a bit different. I wonder why that is. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Ah. This has been great. We talk, sorry, we talk about this with our queerness, about, like, how it was, it, it wasn't like we knew we were queer, we knew mm. it was different. And, mm. like, I think it's the same thing with autism. It's like, you're all on this even playing field and then one day you find out you're different. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And that's like, you had mentioned that generational thing. I think that's, um, I'm hoping that's true that they do seem more open and understanding. Like I know that um, my daughter has had at least one or two friends come out to her and that's, I mean, that's young. You know, it's, it's, oh. it's not too young to know. Cause I think that seems to be like kind of the average age is kind of around that middle school age where kids start to realize yeah. that they feel I differently. Yep. But it's young to come out to another friend. And I mean, I, that's what I told my daughter, I'm like, wow, like you should feel very honored that they felt safe with that with I, you. So that's so that lovely. I feel so happy because that like, she's someone's safe space. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because like, I wasn't able to come out until I was like, you know, I think 20 or 18, I started coming out. And like, even if I would have known I was queer before, then I wouldn't have been able to feel safe enough to do that. Mm-hmm. It makes me so happy that kids are coming out. Earlier. I know. I mean, and I, I hope that's the norm, you know, and I, and I hope, you know, and I've, I just, you know, I've talked to my kids on an early age about, um, about being accepting and, um, and especially I wanted to be, to give them a safe place if someday they came to me and they had that revelation about themselves. But um, I'm, I'm hopeful for the next generation. So sounds like you're doing a wonderful job. Oh, and if you well, keep talking, you will have to adopt me. Oh, <laughs> I'd be glad to. I tell you what, I, 
I feel like I'm failing like every day as a parent. So you guys just send me a message every day and just say, <laughs> I'm not, but no, I mean, I've certainly, oh gosh, you know, I think, I think part of me too, realizing my own, I'm like, you know, am I autistic too? Like, do I, cause I do, I struggle with so many things and I'm just like highly, highly, highly creative person. And I get, so, <laughs> I saw this meme the other day. It was like about ADHD, but it was talking about like, um, hyper fixating on something and like, <laughs> Oh my gosh. Like if I could get some new creative, some new creative project going, like in the meme, like this guy is focused on something and his house is burning down behind him. And I'm yep. like, Oh God. That's yeah, sounds that right. Yeah. I was, um, not feeling great yesterday. Um, I was having a bit of a panic attack, but I was like, well, that's okay. I've got this new book to write. I'm just going to do this for the next three hours. <laughs> Yeah, I'm just like look up for my computer, just so fixated on this thing. So. I'll have like a house to clean. Like I'll have people coming over, and I need to get my house clean, or I'm flying somewhere, and I need to get ready. But I'll be like, no, I need to hem these pants. Yes, right <laughs> I have to hem the pants. Yeah, no, I definitely. Yeah, I get my fixations and. Um, you know, special interests and things. And it drives my husband crazy. Like I've gotten like completely obsessed with ancestry.com and like <laughs> researching my own ancestry back like 26 generations. He's like, who cares? But I just get so into it. I don't know. Yeah, so, that's cool. Do you think you would ever look into getting a diagnosis either way or? Yeah, I probably should. I just, I think my hesitation is just like I was saying, like here in the U S like it's, it wouldn't be easy and I don't want to have to go into it feeling like I'm trying to prove it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah, we totally get that. So, but I, you know, I also, sorry, go ahead. My big advocates for self-diagnosing with autism, because it is so hard in some areas to get diagnosed. Sometimes the best thing, like the best you can get is a self-diagnosis mm -hmm. and we're yeah. very strong with how valid that still is. Mm. Well, and I think if anything, like, um, even a self-diagnosis, if all it helps you do is know how to take better care of yourself, what's the harm in that? Exactly. 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 So, because I find myself too, like how much I need to be in my body, like that I've just ignored so much before. Like um, I need to feel things, you know, like Temple Grandin's squeeze box, you know, <laughs> like it's got to feel things in my body. And um, I think before, if you, if you just kind of deny that part of yourself or you just learn to just, ignore it because society thinks it's weird like you know sometimes i just need to move a rock or like um there's this like tai chi move where you like spin side to side and i don't know if you either of you do tai chi but um it's just like it just feels so good but mm. just we just learn to just deny that part of ourselves and like um and maybe it's further and further as we get into the workforce. Like we just, we stay so still for such long periods of time and oh, don't move our bodies. I'm always like every 15 minutes, I'm just like, yeah, a cup of tea, cup of water. I'm just going to go for a walk. Mm -hmm. I don't understand how people sit there for hours on end. Just Well, if I'm, if I'm researching on ancestry.com, you know, that I'm not going to move. I'm just like still now, but. Yeah, yeah, I totally, I'm so down for embodiment. That's one of the things I've been working on is really feeling my body because I think a lot was special with a lot of like my past trauma, like with um, disassociating and mm -hmm. with my eating disorders and stuff. It's been a lot of, I need to like pull the parachute escape and get out of mm -hmm. here. And now that I've kind of recovered from that a bit, I'm trying a lot harder to be present and in my own body and 
I'd like be okay with that feeling. So yeah, I totally relate to that. Mm. I had to go through a phase of that, like working on kind of claiming my body as mine after, because yeah. I'm, I'm not sure, Kat, if you've listened to um, all of our podcasts, but I've, uh, I had some trauma early mm. on in my childhood where I was violated. And oh, wow. after that, it really didn't feel like my body was mine. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, that whole being in your body, feeling like it's mine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had to go through that. And it was so helpful. It just, yeah. The reclaiming was amazing. It's hard, but it's, oh, it's really hard. So hard. It's really hard to face it all. But yeah, definitely helped so much. Yeah, no, I don't think I had heard that. Um, I think maybe I listened to your second one and you alluded to it, but I didn't know specifically. So yeah, um, my family has a, a history. So my, my brother was um, molested at age 12 by a priest and the mm-hmm. diocese had covered it up. So my family was part of that whole, we're going to blow up the Catholic church and <laughs> try to. Uncover- <laughs> yeah. So I would like to clarify here. I did not mean literally blow up. So certainly no threats to that. And if you want to know more about my, family's experience with this you can listen to my last podcast episode seven in which i interview my mom oh yeah no i'm sorry that happened to you but i'm grateful that you are able to talk about it and and uh work towards Mm -hmm. healing and yeah and i don't know about you one of you does martial arts right because i really feel like punching things would really help me (laughs) <laughs> yes okay uh yes i so i do brazilian jiu-jitsu and i used okay. to do kickboxing and boxing she's a ninja I, oh my gosh <laughs> i had to stop boxing and kickboxing because it was really hard like not only physically on my body because you're like it's it's a tough sport it's a short lifespan but also like mentally because it put me back mm-hmm. in that fight or flight type thing and then i'm oh. still doing jiu-jitsu 10 out of 10 will recommend martial arts for uh especially people with autism, but people who want to like feel embodied and within their own body. Like it's mm-hmm. yes. 10 out of 10 would recommend. Yeah. Cause I'm, I'm like a really angry person. People like, you don't seem angry. <laughs> yes. Go I'm to body. Like, <laughs> so, uh, is the best because it's, um, it's very much wrestling. There's no striking involved. Uh, and so it, I, it doesn't tend to trigger my anxiety as much as boxing or kickboxing does. But then you also have like that pressure of other people uh, like against you and it really helps to connect you to your body and like feel safe with other people being that close. It's just, uh, I could talk for hours about jujitsu <laughs> and I would highly recommend anyone tries it. So, so you like lifting weights is that for me? Like that, mm. like, because weight, I have to engage, you know, certain parts of my body. And so I have to be more aware of like yeah. every individual muscle and, you know, form and posture and everything. Well, it's always good to have some form of exercise outlet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I wish that I could dance. Like in my head, I'm this amazing choreographer. <laughs> I'm like such a good dancer in my head, but my body won't do it. It makes me so mad. <laughs> Just take some dance lessons. Yeah, you know, uh, I know. No, like I, my plan for like uh, post COVID, which we're all like, you know, we're all trying to look forward to things once we get past this crazy time. But, um, I, I do, I do love like Latin American dancing and, um, my husband and I are planning on going to Cancun in Mexico in June for our 15th wedding anniversary. And that the resort has like dance lessons. So I told him like, we are oh, going, to, awesome. yes. we are going to do this, but, um, but yeah, I, 
I've tried to do like Zumba classes and I don't know if you watch like I Love Lucy, the episode where she's doing the dance class and she's like, yeah, like, I don't know. Yeah, I'm afraid I'm going to punch <laughs> punch other people because I'm not <laughs> doing the right things. But anyways, well, um, I am going to let you guys go because I hear the children and I got my other daughter texting me. So I guess <laughs> I ought to pay attention to my to my real life. This has been great. Like I could, I mean, oh, I'll talk to you guys again, and um, love yeah, definitely need to stay in touch. So definitely, thanks yeah. for having us. Thank you. I know that was a longer than usual podcast episode for me, but I really enjoyed this conversation with Victoria and Heidi. And like I said, I think I could do some follow up episodes. Um, so let me know if you have any questions. Um, especially about autism and girls and women. Um, I'd love, love to dig into this topic more. If you want to find out more about their podcast, Aspies, etc., uh, you can check out my website and I will link to all of their links there. You can find this episode's show notes at catpullen.com and connect with me on Facebook. Cat Pullen author and storyteller or Twitter or Instagram at Cat Pullen. Thank you so much for listening today and I encourage you to subscribe to the podcast so you're notified when new episodes come out and as always, reviews are appreciated. Special thanks to Victoria and Heidi for sharing their wit and wisdom with us today and don't forget that good things can happen when you step out of line. <laughs>